Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. Lord, we ask that you would uh, apply it to our lives, to our hearts, to our minds, to our actions that, that come from us in the, the coming days, Lord, that, that we would be colored and coded by your word that it would uh, permeate every aspect of our lives. Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would, would work change in us and that we wouldn't leave here the same as when we came. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, you know, sometimes when it comes to Mother's Day or when it comes to, you know, a specific holiday, I've talked before how, you know, as a pastor, sometimes there's pressure to go into preaching something about Mother's Day. Um, we're not going to do that today. Uh, today we are, I'm going to absolutely acknowledge mothers, we appreciate you. There is so much that, that you uh, contribute to our lives, and, and we thank you for that. And thank you for being, uh, you know, a picture of God's love for us as far as the, the care of a mother for a child. That is a picture of God's love for his children. Today we're going to talk about uh, our next, our next uh, point in the Lord's Prayer. We're going to continue this study. We began this series a few weeks ago, and I hope it's I hope it's been fruitful. I hope it's been something that's been uh, useful, applicable to your life. And there's an important point that we need to acknowledge, and, and I find that we, we need to acknowledge this every single time we come to, to this place, every time we come to learning about this particular prayer. And the fact of the matter is that there is nothing more important, there is nothing more significant in the, the life of a follower of Christ than that of a healthy, healthy personal prayer life. A approach to prayer that is diligent, that is sustained, that is organized, that is spirit-filled. And one that would cause us to recognize that relationship that exists between us as a child of God and, and the, the Father who loves us. And it's through this prayer time that we, we should be able to identify this relationship that we, we are coming, we're bringing our requests, we're bringing our needs, we're bringing our praise and our worship to our Father who loves us. And the reason that's so important, again, is because without recognizing that relationship, without recognizing that we are bringing our requests to our Father God, then we become totally disconnected from why we're bringing those requests. We, we stop understanding or recognizing what it is that allows us to come and make these requests in the first place. Sometimes it's easy to wonder why it is so difficult to maintain a healthy prayer life. Why is it so difficult to stay focused in, when it comes to a time of prayer? it really comes down to the fact that Satan knows. Satan knows that he needs to fear the responses of a God who's answering prayer. 
And so he, he seeks to work in our lives the, the different distractions that exist so that his first priority is that we just don't pray at all. That we just forget about that entire aspect of our relationship with God. That we, we don't interact with him whatsoever. And if we do, that we do it in such a way that our mind isn't even engaged. That we pray in such a way that we are just repeating the same thing that we have always repeated over and over and over again. To the point that our heart and our mind doesn't have a single idea of what it is that we're actually saying. That is the secret to having an ineffective prayer life. And so this form that we see here in in the book of Luke comes from this disciple who has come to Jesus saying, Jesus, teach us to pray. And so we've been discovering these these different points, these different phrases that that come out in this this form that, that Jesus has given his disciples and by extension to us. We discovered that A Christian is a trusting child. A follower of Christ is a a trusting child as we say God is our father. As a Christian, you have become part of a group of worshipers that, that are declaring that God's name is holy when we say holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. As Christians, we are citizens of a kingdom, a kingdom of heaven where our loyalty is being expressed when we say, God, your kingdom come here on this earth in me, in this time, in this place, your kingdom come. As Christians, we we declare our unashamed dependence on God as we say, God, provide for us in those physical needs that exist. Give us today, this day, right now, our daily bread. I depend on you for the things that will sustain me, for the things that will allow me to carry on. And then this morning. (laughs) This morning, we discover that the Christian is not only to be focused on the, the debt that we owe to God, but to, to recognize that we have been called to forget debts that are owed to us. The Christian is, is not only all of these things that we've talked about, but we are a forgiven debtor. It's interesting if you look at the order uh, of operations that we see here in, in this prayer, in this form that Jesus is giving us. The first thing that he focuses on is, I'm going to pray, pray, uh, provide for your physical need. I'm going to give you your daily bread. And after I give you your daily bread, I am going to provide for you spiritually by forgiving you of the, the sin, of the debt, of the wrong things that you have done. Pray this way. Provide for me today. Provide for me in terms of my physical need. Provide for me in terms of my spiritual need, is what Jesus is saying. Forgiveness. What a a different world we would live in if forgiveness was just commonplace. 
Forgiveness is a, a matter of, uh, of a change of the heart. From bitterness, from resentment, from anger, from hurt, to forgiveness. If we think about the difference that forgiveness makes in a home, if you are part of a home where there's parents and maybe a teenager and there's, there's strife that exists, there's brokenness that exists, there's bitterness, there's resentment, there's all of this, this turmoil that happens in a family. What if there was able to be forgiveness that, that puts out those smoldering fires? And, and from there, in, you come from this place of, of conflict to a place of, of restoration, to a place of health. There's a, a quote that I read. It says, what a dramatic change is brought about in a church family when we're prepared to set aside all bitterness and resentment, all envy and jealousy, when we are prepared to embrace the pattern and plan of God for his church. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? You grieve the Holy Spirit by entertaining bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and malice and all of those other lists of things that we know we're not supposed to do that we do anyway. What, what impact do those things have on a worshiping community? What impact does that have on the body of Christ? When followers of Christ are engaged in conflict with each other, it stops any fruit from being born. When there is conflict and anger and resentment that exists in this group, it stops us from being the effective followers of Christ that he's called us to be. It stops us from being effective in the mission that he has called us to because as people look in and see that conflict, they say, why would I want to be a part of that? Why would I want that to be part of my family? It says, so be kind and compassionate to one another. Paul's writing to the believers in, the, Ephesian, in Ephes the Ephesians. Forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. You can't go and eat a meal. You can't drive a car. You can't... Take a vacation. There's not a job that you can work at. There is not a credential or degree that you can achieve at a university that will mitigate the feeling of guilt that would exist in you if you don't have forgiveness. If you have done wrong, if there, there has been a, a breakdown that exists in your life, none of those things will matter at all until you have forgiveness. It 
if you think back to when you were a child. Think back to that one thing that you did wrong. Maybe it was that extra cookie that you took that you, surely they wouldn't notice if there was just 11 instead of 12. <laughs> that little round spot under where the cookie is. Maybe, you, maybe it was something else. Maybe you broke a, a vase and you lied about it. Maybe, maybe something else happened in that we all have these points in our, our childhood if we look back to. And for all of us, there's this situation of, of guilt that exists. That, that feeling of separation that exists between the child and the parent because of this brokenness, because of this guilt that exists. Now, I think most of us, if we think back to some of those situations, also recognize that feeling that happens after the forgiveness comes. When you, you come to your, your father, you come to your mother, and you say, this is what happened, and, and there's restoration, there's forgiveness. Hopefully that's something that you've experienced. If not, we have a heavenly father who loves and will forgive you. But if we think back to those times you think back to that, that feeling of forgiveness, that weight that is lifted off of you. And that's forgiveness that's coming from an earthly mother or father. How much greater is that forgiveness that's coming from our Heavenly Father? Forgiveness is the priority. If we look at Luke chapter 5, verse 17, there's a, a pretty well-known instance where we see Jesus preaching in a house. So he's, he's in a house. There's a lot of people around him. And as he's preaching, people are being healed. It's just this huge crowd. There's no way for anybody else to make their way inside. People are surrounding the house, peeking in through the windows. And eventually we see these friends carrying this man down the road to come see Jesus to be healed because he can't walk. And everybody that, that saw this man getting carried down the road would have said, yeah, there, there goes Jake. We'll call him Jake. I have no idea what his name is. There goes Jake. He's, he's a nice guy. He can't walk. It's awesome that his friends are taking him to Jesus so he can walk. That, that's what Jake needs. Jake needs to be able to go and see Jesus and to be able to walk. Everybody else got to walk and come to see Jesus today, but Jake couldn't do that. Obviously, the reason Jake is coming to Jesus is so he can walk. And so unable to, to make a way for Jake to get in to see Jesus, his friends take him up to the, the top of the roof of the house. It's a flat roof, and they start digging through the roof. And I always think to the owner of the house at this point, and I'm like, I wonder how he felt about the fact that they were just digging a hole in his roof. But apparently he didn't care too much because he didn't stop them. So they're digging this hole in this roof to lower Jake in through the roof to see Jesus. And so they, they lower Jake on his mattress, on his stretcher, down until he is in front of Jesus. And, and everyone in the room... The friends that had brought Jake to see Jesus, we see, and they're all saying, okay, now, now we know what's going to happen. 
Jesus is going to give this man what, what he needs the most. The, the need of this man is that his legs will start to work again. And if we look at verse 20, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Hmm. Your, your sins are forgiven. Isn't, isn't that an interesting response? As the friends are, are looking at each other saying, Jesus, that's... <laughs> That's not what we came here for. <laughs> can't you, he can't walk. <laughs> He's not just like reclining here. He, he needs to be able to walk. Everybody else got to walk here, and, and we need Jake to be able to walk too. He, that's nice that you're forgiving his sins, but there's something else that needs to happen here. You can kind of imagine somebody kind of putting their shoulder, their arm around Jesus' shoulder and kind of taking him to the side and saying, oh, maybe you don't get what's happening here. But of course Jesus gets what's happening here. <laughs> Why does he say your, your sins are forgiven? Because that's the primary issue. The primary issue had nothing to do with his legs at all. The primary issue was that, yeah, your legs don't work, but... The fact of the matter is at some point your body is going to die. The fact of the matter is someday you will not exist on this earth anymore. The, the legs that I am eventually going to restore for you that will be brand new, perfectly working, will one day turn to dust. And at that point, they will not matter anymore. And what does matter is that your sins are forgiven. And so if, if Jesus just came and said, he put him on his feet and said, off you go, down the road, without addressing the real priority, what good would that do that man? And so Jesus looks on this scene and he sees the faith of the, the people that have brought Jake to the, to the house that have lowered him down. And after addressing that initial need, after addressing the need for forgiveness, he says, you can walk too. And Jake gets up and he takes his mattress and he walks out of the room. Let me address for you this, this primary issue that exists. Again, sometimes we let our own priorities, our own uh, to-do list get in the way of what God has planned for us. That's almost what happened to Jake. He almost let his priority list, his friends almost let their priority list get in the way of what God had planned for this man. And God says, no, I have, I have so much more. I have so much more in store for you today. There's... Another reference that we have this morning. Jesus is 
out preaching. The disciples are there, they're, they're seeing him preach, and, and as they're, they're seeing him do this, they're seeing people get healed, they're, they're seeing the crowd respond and say, you are the son of God. And the disciples, after that, that day of excitement, come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you're doing a great job. Let's just keep doing more of that. We've really got a revival going. We've really got the response that, that we want to see. People are, are, are understanding. Let's just stay here and, and keep doing this. And Jesus' response says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Why did he go to these other towns? He went to preach the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, forgiveness is the priority. To preach the kingdom of God and the forgiveness of sin. When we start talking about forgiveness, it, it's, it's always tempting to think about how we need to forgive other people that have done wrong things to us. That's the, that's the, the easy feeling, the easy approach that we get to take this morning is that, yeah, we need to forgive other people that have done wrong things to us, but I'm in a hazard to guess here and say that maybe, just maybe, some of us, all of us, have done wrong things too. Maybe not only do we need to forgive, but we need to be forgiven. We need to seek out that forgiveness. When Peter in the, the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 is filled with the Holy Spirit, he goes out and he starts preaching He's proclaiming the gospel to the multitudes. The, the people in response to his preaching ask the question, what should we do? Peter's telling these people about the fact that they just crucified Jesus Christ on a cross, that they killed Jesus. And, and they come back and they ask, what should we do? What are we supposed to do? And in Acts 2.38, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Forgiveness is the priority. This is why we have world missions. Sometimes it is so easy to get caught up in the Operation Christmas Child, we need to put toys in a box and send those toys to these children who otherwise wouldn't have them. We need to feed people in Africa. We need to uh, help when there's a natural disaster somewhere, a tsunami, a, an earthquake. We need to go and do these things. And the fact of the matter is, if all we are doing is sending toys, if all we are doing is using a helicopter to drop food in, those people will be no better off afterwards. And that may sound like a really harsh thing to say, and I'm sorry that that's the case, but it's true. 
There has to be forgiveness of sin that comes after that. There has to become a relationship. We can't just do nice things for people. There has to be something that, that goes beyond that. And we do that through relationship. Jesus, you should stay here. You should just keep healing people. You shouldn't worry about going anywhere else. We're getting an awesome response here and Jesus says, no, I need to go preach the kingdom of God and forgiveness. Peter, what should we do in in relationship to your sermon, in response to your sermon? Repent and be baptized. Turn from your sin. Display it in your baptism of, of being dead to your old self, being alive in Christ thanks to the forgiveness of your sin. We have a debt. Every single one of us has a debt that we have, are unable to pay. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us that if you start looking at the the Greek translations of these words and kind of start looking at at the meanings behind this, it comes down to a, the the picture of sin is this unrepayable debt, something that you can never cancel out on your own. We have incurred this debt because of a rebellion against authority as a result of indifference as a result of the fact that we have turned to our own way, that we have put ourselves on a throne, we have said things that we shouldn't say, we have done things that we shouldn't have done, we have thought things that we shouldn't have thought. We are in a mess. The entire human race is in a mess. And every day, every moment that passes, that debt just gets larger and larger and larger. It's like the the United States national debt. If you look at that, it just gets larger and larger. There's like a, a website that you can see as it's counting and it's just going. And and that is the problem that exists in our own hearts. The problem that exists in our own lives. There is no way for me to come up with enough cash to pay off the debt that exists in my life. Once you get to a point where your debt is in the trillions, my little measly 40-hour-a-week job is not going to be enough to make that work. And that's the state that we are in. I cannot come up with enough resources to pay for my debt in the bank of heaven. My, my own best effort, my merits will not be enough. And in the midst of all of this, we have this good news that God, the, the person against whom we have cre- uh, committed all of these offenses, intervenes at great cost to himself. And he says, no, I, I will pay that. Forgiveness is the act of God stepping in in the midst of that... It, Credible debt that we have no way to address saying, I will pay that. And it's, 
so important to recognize that this isn't God showing up like a benevolent grandfather and spoiling his kids. It's not God showing up and saying, well, they wrote in Sharpie marker on the couch and they, they uh, you know, broke all the flower pots. They, they broke a couple of windows and, and all in all, they were great kids. We got them some ice cream and it was fun. That's not what God's doing here. This isn't a matter of God just sweeping the debt under the rug. It's not a matter of him just saying, ah, we, we just don't need to worry about that. If we think for a moment that, that God would just smooth something over, if he would just sweep it under the rug and forget about it, we are completely missing the value of the sacrifice and the forgiveness that was given. The fact of the matter is God forgives because he's just, because he is righteous. And there is a penalty that has to be paid for the wrong things that we do. And that penalty is, is not something that we could do. The penalty that, that is being paid is being paid by the, the son, Jesus Christ. There's a, a fancy church word that we use to talk about this exchange, to talk about this payment of a debt, and it's called propitiation. God, the, the righteous son, excuse me, the righteous judge in whose debt we find ourselves, the, the one who holds the account, provides what's called propitiation which squares us away, which says, you had this debt and your debt has been paid. Your debt has been paid in full. I love those three words. I've shared before about an interesting, a life-changing story where if, if there's a, there's somebody with a, debt that exists in their life. Maybe it's a, a mortgage that they're having a hard time paying. Maybe it's a credit card that, that you're struggling to pay off that you find yourself stuck with or some other uh, area of obligation that exists. What is that feeling when maybe out of the blue something shows up and written on that, that bill is those three words, paid in full. freedom. It's release. Propitiation is, is God saying, I, I see that debt. I see that obligation that you could never fulfill. And I tell you that it is paid in full. If we look at 1 John 2.2, They talk about this, this sacrifice and they call it the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And in 2.1, it says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, 
Whew. Good thing we have that little extra bit in there. If anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. First Timothy chapter two, Paul's telling Timothy that there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. There is nobody else that can act as that advocate between God and man. Mary can't, all of the saints can't, Buddha can't, Krishna can't. There is no other way to come to God the Father except through the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we recognize that you are the way. That your Son, Jesus Christ, is the way for us to to be with you for all of eternity. God, we thank you that a debt has been paid that we could never pay. A way has been made that we could never make, God, and, and we thank you for that. Lord, as we go from this place in this time, we ask that you would just cause this to be a, a reminder for us this morning of the fact that we need forgiveness, that we need forgiveness for the wrong things that we have done and the wrong things that we are going to continue to do. But God, in the midst of this also, that we are called to be forgivers. We are called to release those that we are in conflict with, those that from, with whom we have strife, with those with whom we have anger. God, we, we allow those things to die. We come and seek forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 